Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week.
more time, just your voices. just focus our minds on the holy God that we serve. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. Holy Lord, we worship you. Bless your holy name. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, our Father, our Father in heaven, we come before your throne today thanking you for the privilege, for the pathway into your presence, for that that was accomplished at Calvary, where you said, it is finished, accomplished, your will done. Thank you for redemption, Lord. You have redeemed us with the precious blood of the Lamb. We honor you today for that. We bless your holy name. Holy, 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 we cry. Because there is no God like you. You are the one that we need this morning. And we ask you to meet every need in this place. Lord, I know there are those who need healing today. There are those who need encouragement and comfort. I pray encourage your people. Comfort them. Lord, touch our hearts. Lift us up into your presence. We pray your anointing on your word, Lord, that you will speak to us clearly today. When we leave this place, that we'll leave here better than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Just a couple of things I want to share with you. Scientific literature talks about the benefits of prayer. How many of you know prayer benefits? Prayer helps. Listen to this. Ten things. If you pray, you have less pain, lower anxiety, decreased stress, improved mental clarity, better quality of life, longer life expectancy, better ability to cope with difficulty, increased sobriety. Those are things that prayer does for all of us. Amen. So I'm glad you're here today. There's no better place to be in the house of God. Amen. We're going to receive our offering just now, tithes and offerings. You know, the Lord blesses us, enables us to work earn a living. Some earn more than others, but it doesn't matter what you give. It's where it comes from. It comes from your heart. Give from your heart. God will bless you for it. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for these people that have gathered in this place. We ask you to bless our tithes and our offerings. May they bring glory to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Please focus on the screen. Good morning, Crossroad and Pastor Lauren. And I'm Pastor Jeff. Here's what's coming up around Crossroad. 
Students and parents of students, Amplify Conference is coming up the end of April and the beginning of May. We want you to be a part of this amazing opportunity to encounter God and grow in your giftings. Check out this video to catch the vision of what Amplify is all about. Parents, make sure to get your student registered for Amplify to save $30. $30. That's it. That's like a whole fast food meal. Yeah. Believe me, I know. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> save $30. If you register there March 14th, the price for your student to go to Amplify is $90. Bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a bargain. So register them today. It's going to be a powerful time. Also, ladies, mark your calendar for this week. It's the start of our spring Bible study on the Daniel Prayer. That is this Thursday at 10 o'clock in the Fireside Room. Don't miss out on deepening your prayers and walking with Christ in community with other women. So don't miss out on that. Sign up at the kiosk or online. Great opportunity. It is. Lauren, I love that we serve a God that is all about the details. Yes, we do. Nothing's missed on him. He doesn't like just misplanned anything, nothing surprises him. I love if you've been reading with us in the word, in Exodus, it's so cool to see how God called people in their giftings to do the detail work of right. his plan. That's right. And in many ways, numbers and all that stuff, that's a detail. It is. It's Some a of very us, we, one. It's a, a very important detail. Yeah. And today at three o'clock, we are doing our annual business meeting to go over the numbers, to go over the details, to celebrate what God has done this last mm. year and to point forward to the future of what God is going to do in 2020 at the church. So join us three o'clock if you're a member, especially important, we need you there for a quorum, come on. But join us three o'clock and I've, I've been promised uh -huh. from the mouth of Pastor Dale that it will be a brief business meeting. I like that. I love it. So join us three o'clock in the sanctuary for business meeting. Church, we're so excited about what God is doing here at Crossroad and we're so excited about the word that is coming to us today. So we're gonna prepare our hearts once again to take in the word and take in the challenge for our life this morning. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed Sunday. Amen. Amen. What a great day. Amen. Amen. It's uh, right now our kids are going to be released to Kids Church and uh, we give them a big hand. Would you do that? All right. Amen. We want the blessings of the Lord to be with them. Uh, we want God to touch them and help them and encourage them and, and with the numbers of them be with the adults. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? I can remember a few years ago where that just didn't happen where you had them continually going out of here. Amen. It's a good time. Uh, we are having our business meeting this afternoon, 3 o'clock. We have some great things to share with you about what God has done. And uh, it has been a phenomenal year. It's been a great year. How many of you have uh, walked around the facility at all in the last day or two uh, or, or week or two? 
there's a lot of things happening and uh, a lot of building projects, a lot of improvements that we're looking at, and we're grateful for all that's happening here at Crossroad. Uh, just a, 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 an announcement that you can't always plan for these moments. Um, Kathy Stone and her family have lost family member Sandra Omelid went to be with Jesus this last week. And uh, you know what? It's, it's a blessing. She's home. And uh, I, I remember being there here a week or so ago, and I said, Sandra, how can I pray for you? And she says, I want to go home. You know what, church? How many of you want to go home? I mean, it, it's, it, when you look around our world today with all of the coronavirus and all of the crudavirus of attitudes and stuff, Home sounds pretty good to me, amen? But he's not ready for you yet. All right. But he was for her, and Jesus, I believe, came to take her into his presence. This next Sunday or Saturday, 11 o'clock, they're going to have a memorial service for her. And so just to allow you to understand that that's happening this, week, this coming Saturday, uh, just remember the family, remember them in prayer, and uh, the Lord bless you. We've been in a series, uh, started a project called Initiative 2020 this last year, and uh, part of the building is a part of that, and uh, the initiative that we've developed is an initiative of discipleship, prayer, and the Word of God, and I'm excited about that. That, uh, that, that it's, it's encouraging to me to see people getting involved in reading the Word and wanting to grow. We have a, a, a Form, a spiritual formation class that we have on the 11 o'clock hour. I encourage you to join in that. You know, it's interesting. That's not just for brand new believers. We have people in there that have been that have been serving the Lord for many years, wanting to know more about how to get into the Word, how to study the Word, the tools that are there. And we're going to begin this next uh, week with uh, another series, uh, another part of that in the area of fellowship. We'll be talking about that. I shouldn't say next week, but in the month of February. March, what are we, where are we, what's going on, am I in, yes, uh, but in March we'll begin that, that new study, we've just finished the one on the Apostles' Doctrine, which is really the Bible, we're taking it out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And the reason we looked at that and the Lord began to, to speak into my heart about that was that is the foundation stone of the church. It, it's not brick and mortar. It's the word of God. It's the body of Christ coming together. It's the power of the, of, of the communion and it's prayer. And those are the aspects of what causes a church to grow. I look at this church and I, I'm convinced that that's part of what's happening here. And so in this concept of of, of the spiritual formation, dealing with fellowship this morning, I want to bring you to this message, and I simply, I, I simply entitled it, Embracing People. If we're going to grow in relationship, if we're going to have fellowship, according to the biblical dynamic, it comes back to that Greek term, koinonias. Say that word with me, koinonias. And that, you just learned a little bit of Greek. I mean, with that, you can, you can have some bakalaba and you can, never mind. But, but it is a wonderful, wonderful word because it's a deep word. It means deep relationship, intimate relationship. And that really is what God desires for us to have with him. 
is a growing relationship, a deep relationship with him. Uh, my journey with him started many years ago, and, and I can be honest with you, it, it's had its ebbs and flows. How many of you had, have, have, you can say that, but in that, there's been this desire, a desire to grow deeper, a, a desire to know him more, more intimately, and, and you know what? I still am growing in that, and, and I want you to continue to grow in this, but in this concept of relationship with him, it cannot merely be a vertical relationship, must be horizontal. Uh, I, I love the fact that God loves all mankind, even people you don't like. He even likes you. He loves us all, amen, and, and he cares about us, and he wants us to be his example, you know, my example in the Bible isn't Peter, Paul, James, or John. It's Jesus himself. And, and he was embracing of people. I love the fact that Jesus touched people that nobody else wanted to touch. A leper came to him. And what does Jesus do? He reaches out and touches the untouchable. Think about the leper. He had to go and announce his uncleanness to the world. When he would walk down the street, unclean, unclean, he was saying, get out of the way. I'm unclean. I'm filthy. I'm untouchable. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the humiliation? You've contracted a disease that you didn't control. You can no longer... Touch your wife or your husband or your children or grandchildren. You cannot be in proximity of other people. You've now been alienated away from society. And you were forbidden to touch a leper. It made you unclean. You had to go and become ceremoniously clean. And what does Jesus do? To the one person that, that, that has not had the, the privilege of the warmth of human embrace, human touch. He lays his hands on them. He touches them. You see, this concept of, of deep fellowship is really embracing people. Embracing people doesn't mean that we just embrace those of, uh, that are homogeneous, those that are like us. It simply means we embrace humanity. Amen? I'll say amen all by myself. I, I want to share with you a couple of th thoughts that I have. I, I, in looking over this last year and our, looking at, at the things that we've done, how many of you know we're not perfect? How, how many of you know that you don't have a perfect pastor? Oh, come on, come on, come on. I can tell you really honestly, I am not perfect. Just ask her. I'm not. But I'm working towards becoming better. And there are some people that may not like me. I can't imagine that, but I can. But the point of what I'm saying is, is that, that we all have a story. We didn't just evolve and get to this moment without developing a story. There's a backstory in all of our lives. There's something behind what we are. 
what makes us and what created us and what allows us to live in this moment are our experiences, good and bad. And sometimes what we see when we see people is we see things that put us off and we don't understand and we don't, we, we, we are, we're appalled or we're dis, disgruntled or we, we don't like what we see. But do we know the whole story? Do we know what brought that person to this moment? Paul Harvey said it's called the rest of the story. And, th- and this morning, I-, I want us to look at this concept. If we're going to have this type of deep relationship and fellowship that God wants us to have in the body of Christ, we have to understand the rest of the story. We need to have the time to approach others so that we can know their story, so that we can find out what that story is all about. It's so important that we that we look at that. I, I want to look at, at, at a story in the book of Luke, chapter 15. And it's interesting that in Luke 15, there are actually three stories that are here trying to help put together, if you look at the beginning of it, people were disgruntled at Jesus. And the people that were disgruntled with Jesus, they walked around with their nose so high in the air that on a bad rainstorm, they drowned. <laughs> they were haughty, and they were arrogant, and they were religious. (laughs) Just like to kick them in the shins. You you know the kind that I'm talking about? They they look down at, as good as me. You don't have my education. Give it a break. You, you know what I'm saying? People that walk with arrogance and pride and, and a haughtiness and, a, and a, a, a more righteous position. That was what you found in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. These people came and they saw that Jesus drew a crowd. And he drew a crowd of some of the most unsavory. They were the, they were the, the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and those that didn't go along with the religious establishment. And they found something in Jesus that drew them. And it caused their to be a bit of disdain. Why are they coming to Jesus? And so Jesus tells Three stories. One is the, pro- is the story of the lost coin, and then there's the story of the lost sheep, and then we come to the prodigal son, the longest part of this whole chapter. And in this chapter, and I'm not going to read it all, I'm going to give you a paraphrase, and then we're going to take excerpts because there's four attitudes that are presented in this parable. It's the story of a father who was very wealthy. He had two sons. And his younger son came to him one day and said, Dad, I I want my inheritance, and I want it now. And so he gave him his inheritance. And the young man, as soon as he had received that inheritance, packed up everything he had and took off, and he blew it off. He blew it on on crazy living, on wine, women, and song. He, He blew it on stupid stuff, and he blew it all, and he didn't have any more, and he was left penniless. To the point that now he's a long ways from home, he has nothing to eat, and he's, he's reduced to the point of having to go and eke out a living, and the only job he can find is slopping hogs. Now, for a Jewish boy, that was not a good thought. Talk about being the lowest of the low. 
And there came a point when he was wrestling hogs for the food that they would eat so that he wouldn't starve. And he said, you know what? It would be better for me to go back to my father, ask forgiveness, and just simply hire on as a hired servant than to continue in this. And so he does. And on his journey, he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his father. He comes around the corner, and his father sees him from a long ways off, and he comes running to his son, and he begins to embrace him. And before this son can even begin his story, his father cuts him off, and he says, you are my son. You were lost. You're now home. Puts a robe on him and a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And then he says to his servant, take the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. It's overwhelming. The older brother's out in the fields, comes in, he hears all of this jubilant noise, and he says, what's going on? And his servant says, well, your younger brother's come home, and your dad is having a party. Well, the older brother gets kind of ticked. He says, hmm, never did that for me. His dad comes out and says, why aren't you coming in? He says, Father, I have always obeyed you. I've always taken care of everything that you want. And you never gave me a party. No, I'm not coming. There are four attitudes, two that we need to guard against and two that we need to protect. First one is an attitude of rebellion. And that's where we see the younger son. It's interesting that in the story, he, he starts with this attitude of I know what I want, and I want it now. It didn't just happen that he thought, well, I think I'd like my inheritance now. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen some old geezer driving a, 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 a Corvette that he can hardly see over the steering wheels with? You know why he's doing it? He can afford it. And a young guy is looking at him and says, man, I want that. Well, you can't afford it. He can and this is what this young man, I want what I want, and I want it now. I want to be able to spend my inheritance now. I want my pleasure now. And he planned it. Verse 12 says, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Not long after, it's a catchphrase, it's a statement. This young man had been planning this plot. It wasn't something that just occurred. He had thought about this and he had mulled this over and it now became his scheme. You see, when we plan sin... We're on the road to rebellion. Isn't that exactly like Satan? He only tells him about the fun. He didn't tell him about the pigsty. He only told him how much he was missing out, not on the consequence of what it would happen. In this journey of intimate relationships, it has hazards, landmines, it has all kinds of traps to tear people away from one another and from the Lord. Rebellion is but one of those hazards. Rebellion never tells us the cost 
or the consequence. It only tells us about the momentary pleasure. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Rebellion only tells you what you're missing out and why you should get yours and you should get it now. One of the enemies of the tactics is to deceive and create an attitude of selfish dissatisfaction. You know what? Your garbage disposals eat better than two-thirds of the world. We have an overabundance of everything in this country. Our poor are wealthy in comparison to the world. Do you all understand what I'm saying? If you've, if you've had the prerogative and the privilege of traveling outside of the continental boundaries of this country, you will understand what I'm talking about. We are blessed beyond measure. When we plan to do something wrong, and that thing comes into our mind to do something that's selfish or something we know is wrong, we need to stop it, and we need to stop it now, not wait. If I'm in relationship with other people, if I'm in a relationship with others around me, and they begin to hear those thoughts coming out of my mouth that I need, we need to be in such a relationship that I can go to a brother and say, you know, my friend, I think you need to rethink that. If I'm in a relationship with my, my brother, if there's fellowship happening here and there, there's an intimate relationship of depth, I need to be able to be firm and frank and honest and say, I don't think that's a good decision. Now, all I can do is offer that. They have to make the choice. But I think in truth, we need that. I've needed people coming to me and saying, Pastor, I, I think that that's not going to go well. It saved me a lot. My wife has been able to say to me, you know what, you need to think that over. You need to rethink and recalibrate that. And there are times when I, I really listen to her. <laughs> and my bread is buttered on the right side. But there are times when I don't. When I don't listen to that kind of counsel, I can tell you that it's not always a pleasant moment. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, to hear them speak into my life and to be able to speak into their life is valued. Do you capture this? This is why he says this in Acts 2.42, and they continued in fellowship. There was this relationship together. That's where Peter and, and Paul came together, and they were at odds. It wasn't a pleasant moment, but they were able to speak into each other's life. God doesn't gloss it over. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, you get the point? He tells it as it is. If we're in a relationship, we need to be able to communicate to one another, and we need to listen to one another. That's a novel thought. Are we listening? Let me give you a couple thoughts about this inheritance thing. He says, give me. As though it was his. It wasn't his. It wasn't his inheritance. It was his father's retirement. 
He didn't earn it. He didn't have to sweat and, and, and work hard to gain what his father had in the ability of him to amass this inheritance, as he would call it. It was his father's retirement. We went to lunch with one of Sherry's cousins the other day, and, and Jan and Glenn were talking about he wanted to go buy a new car. He's 80. How old is he? 80. He's up in his 80s. 81. And uh, I said, well, Glenn, what are you going to get? And he says, a Mercedes. I said, good for you. He says, I have this money in my checking account. And he says, my kids don't need it. And he says, and I'm sitting here looking at that. And I'm thinking, if I died today, it's just going to sit in my bank account. I'm going to buy a car. <laughs> he earned it. He worked for it. There's nothing wrong with it. I had a Mercedes once. I don't think they're as cracked up as what people want to think. I tell you, the maintenance on those suckers are terrible. I'm <laughs> just my own opinion. But, the, but what I'm trying to share on this is simply this. And it doesn't matter if you've owned a Mercedes, more power to you. I thank God for it. But the point of what it is is that this young man looked at his father's work as his benefit. It's my inheritance. Got news for you. The old man is still breathing. Hello? And until he's dead, it's not yours, it's his. That make sense? It didn't belong to the son. He hadn't earned it. Do you know what the attitude is? It's the attitude of an entitlement mentality. That is the attitude of rebellion. The attitude of, re of entitlement. I, I, I deserve this. I should have this. I should, it, it should be mine. How many of you have read the Constitution of this country? We have the right to what? Pursue life, liberty, and happiness. It isn't a guarantee that I'll have life or liberty or happiness, but I have the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Hello? But we hear today that what's mine should be yours. Well, I think that sucks. I had to work for what, what is mine. That doesn't mean that we don't take care of people that are hurting and can't. We do. But I have a hard time with people that can and won't. It, it isn't an entitlement. Even the ability to do what you and I have the ability to do to earn. That comes from the Lord. He's given me the strength. He's given me the, the, the intellect. He's given me the willpower. He's given me the where, whatsoever. And what, he's given me the ability to do that. I'm beholding to him for that. Hello? This, this entitlement mindset, is, it, it's, it's not a generational mindset. You've got to get that in your minds. It's not a gen, this, is a, this is a humanity mindset. 
And God doesn't hold that same attitude. When we have an attitude of ingratitude, when we become ungrateful people and think we should have more, that's the seed of rebellion. I took a church one time and had a young fellow that was there. They'd hired him in the interim between the pastor leaving and me coming. And a wonderful young man, and I don't mean to discredit him in any way, but he was inexperienced. He was young. He, he, he just, he had the book learning, but he didn't have the practicality. And, and I remember being there a little while, and he came up to me and says, why am I not being paid what I'm worth? I said, well, I don't think you could live on it. Sorry. <laughs> Seriously. He was being paid a willing a good wage and, and, and that's but you know, you don't get to the top of the heap by your first step out of the out of the box. You all understand what I'm saying? How how many of you started as the executive officer of the corp? How, how many of you probably started as the janitor? Yeah, I understand. What you start, you you earn it, you work your way, you grow. I I I have such empathy for the first church that I pastored. Bless their hearts. I was so young and so green. I mean, they were so gracious, so loving, so forgiving. I had a lot to learn. I had maturing to go. And you know what was so amazing to me? The church grew in spite of us. Isn't that just like the Lord? <laughs> he gives me, give me what belongs to me. Give me. Yeah. But there came a point where the attitude of rebellion turned to an attitude of repentance. In verse 17, it says, when he came to his senses. Sometimes we have to hit our head hard on the wall. You all understand what I'm saying? We have to hit the bricks. We have to come to the end of ourselves, as it were. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You know what I find here? Repentance makes no excuses, no justifications, just takes responsibility for sinful actions. Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. Oh, no, he didn't. He presented the opportunity and you leapt on it. Hello? The concept here is simple. When we sin, we sin against three people. God, others, and ourselves. No excuses. That's not re repentance. Not justifying it. Well, I'm sorry, but my brother caused me to... No. I, you know, I... I feel really bad that I did that, but my wife, she just, you know. No. Taking and owning your own actions. If I'm in a relationship that's real, and if it's developing, and if I want, want that fellowship to develop in my life and in the sphere of people that I have, been, I have around me, 
I have to be able to be honest with them and them to me and say, wait a second, you did that. You did that. Don't blame somebody else for that attitude. Don't blame somebody else for that action. I love, I love having our staff meetings, and they're very permissive. We, we, we open it up. And sometimes I don't like what I hear. Sometimes they don't like what they hear. But you know what? We have the opportunity because we love each other. We can talk about things, not, not getting into personalities, not, not, but on issues. We can talk about things, and we can explore those things. And out of that, if we'll sit and listen, good things come out of it. Even the old man can learn something. Hello? Amen? And it's good, and it's needed. It is, why, why do we do that? Because we're in a growing relationship. It's called fellowship. And we give permission to listen and to hear and to speak. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction in, in your life. It takes you to a different destination. And intimate fellowship helps us to develop that, helps us to work our way through that. If you ever heard somebody say, well, they got caught, it just, you know, they're, they're not going to change. I believe, I believe that, that that change can happen when we get caught. Let me share with you something. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out, right? That doesn't mean that they're plastered up on the screen or you're made a public example or you're in the newspapers. No, it simply means this. You know you were wrong. Y'all understand that? How many of you have ever had the Spirit of the Lord pierce you and you have been bound out? You have been touched. You know. The Spirit of the Lord has spoken to you. It says, and when he had spent it all. That's a very critical phrase here. You see, he did. He had spent it all. It was all gone. His inheritance was blown. He could not go back to his father and say, I want more. He couldn't go back and say, I'm still your son. I expect more. No, no, it was gone. It would not be returned. It could not be replaced. He could not go over and, and knock on the barkeeper's door and say, you know, uh, you may not know this, but, but I'm the prodigal son in the Bible, and, and I'd like my money back. <laughs> he couldn't go to the prostitutes and say, you know, I made a big mistake. and I, I want my money back. It was gone. It was gone. Sayonara. See you later. It's gone. It's not coming back. He couldn't get it back. It's called the law of reciprocity. What you sow, you reap. And from that moment on, he was reduced to having to work for it. He couldn't just simply go back and beg for more. That was repentance. And he came home knowing that he had blown it, knowing that there was no more, knowing that he couldn't do that, that he'd blown his inheritance. That's repentance. But when he gets home, he meets another attitude, and it's the attitude of the reproacher. Verse 29 says, but he answered, this is the older son, he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat 
so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. I'd say he's ticked off. I kind of think he's having a big pity party myself. But it's a reproach. Listen to this. There's some, there, there's some real deep concepts here. What you see here is pride. I have never, I have never disobeyed you. Really? Really? Either he's Jesus or he's fool. And it's Jesus t- telling the story, so we know it's not Jesus. So you take the conclusion. <laughs> okay. I never, in, in, in the years that we've pastored, I've counseled hundreds, thousands of couples in marriage counseling. And there's a couple words that we, we share that are off limits in, in counseling. In communication between a husband and wife or anybody else, the word never and always should not be a part of the vocabulary. Well, he never tells me he loves me. Honey, if he told you 42 years ago he loved you, that word never doesn't work. Now, he might need to tell you a little more often, but never? I never sinned? Really? I never disobeyed? Really? You always, always, really? You always do that? It may feel that way, it may seem that way, but in reality, it is not that way. A prideful person doesn't see themselves as others see them or as God sees them. When we focus, when the focus is on our actions, how often do we defer to the actions of others? Little kids. Prayer time. We have our prayer for for food. Get finished, and Tricia says, Daddy, John didn't close his eyes. Deferring to others. That's childish, I know. It sounds like, but, but how often do we do that? We get caught doing something. Well, 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 they, 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 yeah. Adam and Eve are a perfect example. I remember years ago, I got a traffic ticket. It, was, it wasn't a good one. I went to court. The court, the judge says, how do you plead? I said, like the snake in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I did. Serious, true story. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you know the story, Judge. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake. Snake didn't have a leg to stand on. I'm as guilty as sin. (laughs) Don't try that. It worked for me. Back in 1976, it was a $150 ticket, and they reduced it to $11. And I said, $11? And he says... Now let's make it seven. I didn't say another word. (laughs) Long story. The bottom line of what I'm trying to share is how often do we defer to other people? Adam blamed Eve. 
Yes, I said, but oh, the woman that you gave me. That's been, that's been a cop-out, guys, for too long. Man up. Suck it up. Y'all understand? If you only had to live with the husband I live with, I'm glad that I live with the wife that I have. The bottom line is deferring it to somebody else. Take responsibility. Developing relationships almost demands that we don't shun nor look down on other people. But at the same point in time, it means that we take a deep look at who we are. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued, this, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my, my share of the estate. So listen to the way this says it. So he divided his property between them. We see the younger son taking his share and squandering it. But what we don't see too often is that the father gave the older son his share as well. And let me share with you something. You never took a goat as much to give to me. Are you kidding me? He gave him twice as much in the inheritance because in that tradition, he was the older brother and he received twice the inheritance of all of the rest. He gave him more goats than he wanted. He's simply having a pity party. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. You know the old story. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. God, help us to look beyond our selfishness. Help us to be grateful for everything around us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And the last part of it is the attitude of the redeemer. The rebellious the repentant, the reproached, the redeemer. I love this story. I love this story because it's so real and it's vivid. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. In the Jewish culture, it was shameful for a Jewish man, an old Jewish man, to run. But Jesus gives the understanding, knowing his culture, the father ran to the son. When you bowed your heart to Jesus and you confessed him as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what happened. God Almighty himself ran to you and he embraced you and he kisses you. And the Greek word for embrace, it, it, it's not three pats on the back. Stand up here, Jeff. It's not just coming and it's not just coming like this. No. It's an embrace. And a kiss.
It's a bear hug. We were pastoring in Sandy. I had an associate. His name was Efren Gonzalez. Frank and Carrie, we called him Frank. Frank and Carrie were, were Cuban. As children, they immigrated from Cuba. They were part of the lottery system that allowed them to come out. Carrie's father was a very educated man and high up in the Batista government. And he was a pariah to the, to the revolution, to Castro and the pirates of the Caribbean. They came to get him. Carrie says that her and her family fled knowing that they, the soldiers were coming and they ran. They literally ran. They ran through uh, a sugarcane field and were down into ditches and the, and the military literally were firing machine guns after them trying to kill them. Tell me socialism is a sweet thing. And they hid for a year. Long story short, they finally came, they found him, they took him, they imprisoned him. They didn't know if their father was dead or alive for almost a year and a half. One day, military came, opened the door, threw him in, and said, you have 24 hours to get your things collected. You're going to be on the next deployment out of here. Carrie's brother was 15 years old. They would not allow him to leave Cuba. The rest of the family could leave, but that son was conscriptable. He was able to go into the Cuban army, and so they kept him. They kept this boy, but they deported the family. Fast forward 20 years. I had the opportunity to work with Senator Mark Hatfield, and we were able to work through the State Department. We were able to somehow get him. I don't know how they did it, but they got him from Cuba to Venezuela. And once he was in Venezuela, we had diplomatic relationships with Venezuela that we were able to bring him home. I remember it. I remember it. We walked into that concourse. The plane had landed. The family was there. And I remember when... Raphael came off of the plane. I can still hear Maria. My son. And I can remember in the crowd of all of that airport and people milling and going, I can remember seeing the tears and the hug and the kisses. For 20 years, she had not seen her son. She had not seen his wife. She didn't know her grandchildren. And all these years later, here they are. And the embracing and the hugs and the kisses. And I remember we all just got on our knees in the middle of that concourse and began to pray. And it was, it was such a wonderful, rejoicing moment. This is the scene you see here with the prodigal coming home and the father rejoicing. What was gone and what was missing has been returned. Church. That's the story of redemption. 
We don't have the prerogative biblically to pick and choose whom we will embrace. God Almighty has chosen the whosoever, the whatsoever, and the wheresoever, and he loves us all. I wasn't the most lovely guy when Jesus found me, but he loved me anyway. Now let me tell you, in wrapping this up, the story of the prodigal son is a unique story, and we love it, but in Jewish tradition, there was a story very similar. And they understood the story. And the story was like this. There was a father that had two sons. The younger son came to the father and said, I want my inheritance. And he went and blew the inheritance. And he came back to his father, and he said, Father, I have messed up. And his father said, follow me. And he takes him to the town square, puts him up on a pedestal. And he said, this is my son. He has taken my inheritance. He has blown my inheritance. And I denounce him as my son. And they held a party for the father because he gave an example of justice. So that when the Pharisees heard the story that Jesus was going, they knew where this was going. They were in disregard to the ill repute of those that gathered around Jesus, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, those that didn't go along with the religious systems. They knew that Jesus is going to come to the end and he's going to say, you're all going to hell. But then Jesus throws this twist. And when the father saw him from afar off, he ran to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. He gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. He gave him shoes. And he threw a party. Wow. What a distinction between the world and the Savior. What a distinction between the religious and those that are true followers of Christ. We develop relationship. We love. We encourage. We build up. We don't tear down. Isn't that, the, isn't that marvelous? Stephen, isn't that wonderful that Jesus loves you and me so much that he brings our lives together and we can love one another isn't it wonderful that, that he can take us from where we are and put us on the path to where he wants us to go? Yes. And he brings people in our lives that can help guide us and, and protect us and, and guard us. I'm not a much of a bowler. When I go bowling, I want him to put down the bumpers. <laughs> I'm not a bowler. I, I want to play, I want to play. Where, where the kids play and they, they knock the gutters out so every ball hits the pins. That's what it is in relationships. We become the buffer. We become the bumper. We become that guard. That's what this fellowship thing is about. But you see, the story of the Jewish mind 
of the Father to show justice and reproach is actually what happened when God allowed his own son to come into the world and take our sins. He was made a public spectacle. And the shame and the guilt of all mankind was placed on him. So that you and I could have this incredible relationship with the Savior. Would you stand with me this morning? The God is still just, but he's overwhelmingly merciful. I want to tell you a story about a church here in the coast. I was at a prayer meeting the other day. And we're talking about some victories that had happened in the church. This is a church down in Coos Bay, North End area. For some time, they've had a, a young man come in. He's a transvestite, taking the hormones, dressing the part. For over 20 years, he's been in this, in this area, in this life. But the church has loved him. They've embraced him. They brought him in. It doesn't mean they, they go along with all of it, but they love him. They haven't shoved him out. They haven't said, you're not welcome here. No, they said, you are welcome here. And they just simply loved him. They've embraced him. He's had a heart toward God, and he's wanted to grow, and he's wanted to know more about the Lord. And he has. He's grown. And the Spirit of the Lord has begun to deal with him came to the pastor and he said, I, I, I feel like I want to be baptized. And he said, well, let me share with you some things. He quit taking the hormones. He started wearing jeans instead of a dress. Last Sunday, he was baptized. That would have never happened had the church not embraced the person. If we're in deep relationship with people, we receive them as people. We love them as Jesus would love them. Church, I love this church. And it's not just the building. I love the people. We're growing and we're maturing and we're not all perfect. And we're not perfect in all of it. But, but what I have found here at Crossroad is a people that willing to embrace people. Oh, we've got some works to, to deal with. And there may be an attitude here or there. But by and large, it's a loving and accepting because people are important. We're going to have this business meeting at 3 this afternoon. And, and yes, there are numbers, but all of those numbers relate to a human life. People. It's all about people. We're all about people. Little people, big people, tall people, short people. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're about people. Doesn't matter what the ethnicity, it doesn't matter what the, doesn't matter. 
we're about people. We love people. Amen? So my prayer this morning is, Lord, help us. Help us to walk in a relationship with others around us, open-armed, embracing one another, growing together, growing up in Jesus, and taking people with us in the journey. Amen? That's simple. Father, help us. Lord, help us to grow more in your image. Thank you that you, you've redeemed us and loved us and you, you run after us. You charge after us. Because you care about us. Help us, Lord, in this maturing process, in this spiritual formation to grow and love and accept others around us to be able to grow in a relationship that we can speak honestly and firmly when needed, but lovingly. Help us to listen to those that will speak into our life. Help us to hear and to heed what, we, what, we're, what we're experiencing together. Father, I pray and ask it all in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm going to ask you this morning. There's some. You just need prayer. Judith, I want you to come. Judith is going through some another round of chemotherapy, and we're going to pray over this stuff that God helps her and makes it work. Maybe there are others. You're going through stuff, and you need prayer. I'm going to ask my prayer teams to come as well. But but you need prayer this morning for whatever, whatever. could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. Maybe you're right now saying, you know, feel like the attitude of the older brother is here and I, I need that gone. I, maybe maybe you're the prodigal and you need to come home. I, I don't know what the issues are but Jesus knows. Would you come? And if you need prayer, a special prayer in any way, any form for physical healing, for spiritual being, I, I just want you to come. And uh, can, can you lead us in a can you lead us in a song? Let's come together. Stretch your hands out to these that are here this morning, would you? Let's pray over this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you for your work of grace and healing. We pray, Father, that you go before all of those that are connected to body respond well to the processes, but Father, over and above it, you do the work that only you can in Jesus' name. Allow this thing to work for your glory, and we're going to give you praise in the name of Jesus.
come in your precious name and we speak your blessing over your people the father you will bless them and keep them make your very presence real to them go before them grant them your peace your grace your strength give them wisdom bless them with compassion beyond anything they've known lord open their hearts to those that are around them on a daily basis May they be a blessing to others through your hand of grace. We thank you, Father, for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody can shout amen. amen. May the Lord bless you. Hug a neck. If